Greetings, dears. This is Annette of AnnetteLeonard.com, back again with Chronic Wellness. Thank you for joining me. I am continuing to explore the subject of money and chronic illness. And I thank you uh, to all of you who have sounded off or contacted me uh, after that last video, and particularly Cheryl and Hannah, I um, have been really grateful for your thoughtful responses and uh, comments to me. So thank you for that. In recent days, I have had conversations with a couple of people who have reached out to me through my website and one personal friend who are in various stages of applying for disability, and deciding whether or not to leave work uh, because of chronic illness. And it's such a hard, scary, personal thing. And I have opinions about what it says about our society that we don't take better care of those of us with chronic illness and health conditions, that, that bankruptcy and poverty and homelessness are still so much the purview of so many of us with chronic illness. And that is the overwhelming majority of the comments that I heard from you, that the future <sighs> at a time when we're managing chaos in our bodies and overwhelming health circumstances and things like crippling fatigue and the unmanageable and perhaps relationships ending and friendships leaving that now my financial house is so unsteady and perhaps even my housing is unstable is so terrorizing. And so, a couple of things I want to highlight in this episode. One, to the best of my knowledge, one cannot apply for federal disability benefits while still being employed. And this is just such a terrorizing, terrifying leap of faith that is required when making the decision to leave work, to apply for disability, um, and more than 80% of the people who apply for federal disability benefits are turned down the first time. And I think that the government sort of counts on people not having the fortitude <laughs> To keep going. And as many of you probably know, uh, there are attorneys, not all of them created equal, who can help you apply for federal disability benefits. And the way they get paid is out of the money that you first recoup. And it's a really important thing to research and oftentimes a really wise thing to engage. The other thing I want to highlight is that for many of us, one of the biggest roadblocks or fears 
about applying for federal financial disability or leaving the world of work, it's about health insurance. And Medicare is not Cadillac insurance. And as a person who had Cadillac insurance, Cadillac insurance isn't what it used to be. I mean, uh, from hidden costs like out-of-network things to co-pays to the rising cost of prescription drugs, there are such things as insurance brokers who, again, get paid by insurance companies to have you sign up with them. And so if the thing that ties you to work is health insurance, make an appointment with an insurance broker. Get the actual facts of what it would cost you to pay for insurance out of pocket, to pay for Medicare, <laughs> what Medicare will cover, because I'll tell you that what I now pay for with Medicare and a supplement means that after I pay my monthly fees, I don't pay for anything else except my prescription drugs. I don't pay a deductible. I don't pay a copay. That's not true. I have my like $183 annual deductible, $183 folks but I don't pay to go to the hospital. I don't pay for a test, a scan. Um, if my supplemental insurance said, did Medicare think that was medically necessary? And the answer is yes, I don't pay a penny. And so my treatments, which are $30,000 a pop, I don't pay one red penny of that. And I think that most people wouldn't imagine that to be true from Medicare and a Medicare supplement. And so it is worth getting the facts. And, you know, my wife who is self-employed buys her insurance on the open market. And I think people think open market, that must be garbage. And yeah, there are some garbage plans out there. And I think she even has one of them. But once she hits her out-of-pocket maximum, you know, if she were to have to have emergency surgery and we paid the out-of-pocket maximum, we would pay no more. So it's not like we don't know what that number is. Get the facts. Go to an insurance broker. Also, if you have a condition that is new or worsening and you are still in the world of work, it is worth knowing that Section 504, 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act, if you work for a company that has more than 12 people, covers you to some degree. And by that, I mean that while it feels scary and risky in some cases, it's oftentimes worth bringing to someone in the benefits office of your employer information about your disabling condition to them so that you can be accommodated at work. And whether that's flexing your work hours or doing some of your work from home or having assistance when it comes to the tasks that you can't physically manage, 
These are conversations that can be had that can sometimes prolong, shift, or transform how long you might be able to stay in the workforce. And chronic illness has financial implications, whether it's in the obvious ways, like losing gainful employment, paying more in medical expenses, or in some of the more subtle ways, like loss of earned income potential over the lifespan, or <laughs> never again being able to qualify for things like uh, an insurance plan, you know, that we can't take out life insurance on me, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, so, that's all I'll say in this episode. There will be more in weeks to come. And again, I invite you to sound off with your comments and questions about the ways in which chronic pain, chronic illness, disability has impacted you financially. Thanks for tuning in. I'm grateful, ever grateful for the time that we spend together and um, hearing from you lights me up. So thank you. And until we're together again, be well. <laughs>